We turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews 13. What we're going to do is read the benediction there at the end of Hebrews, verses 20 through 21. Hebrews has been unpacking this, this pastor. We don't know who uh, the, the author was with his congregation, so to speak, unpacking how wonderful Christ is, how he exceeds all of the, the Old Testament pictures and as he draws to the end, he's already given rebuke and, and warning, and he's told them to not grow weary because the Christian life is going to have immense difficulty. And here at the end, the last words he wants to give them before he sends them out is a reminder of the peace that is theirs. As we've gone through the Advent series, this theme of peace has really uh, uh, come out clearly in all of the different songs that we've heard. You heard it once again uh, on Christmas Eve. And so it's that peace I want to take up this morning. Maybe if you traveled, you know what the absence of peace feels like. If you're in a car packed with uh, lots of children, or if you're in a madhouse with 22 people and people are open, you know the absence of peace and you know what it feels like to have peace. This morning, I hope that the peace of God rests upon you through His Word and the promises that we are given in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. Our gracious God, we thank You for the Word that is set before us. It's perfect. It has no error. It is to be believed. So help our hearts, Lord, that, that might cry out as we just heard the man cry out, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, in the midst of a world that is uh, not at peace, give us this peace that comes from God. So give us ears to hear, hearts that understand and receive. Lord, we pray that in the midst of this hour together, your Son, Jesus, would be magnified and glorified that our hearts would erupt in doxology towards our Savior and our Lord. Spirit, lead us in this truth. We ask all of this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen. God's Word says, Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great Shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen? <laughs> That's good news for us. Uh, this morning as we close out our year, uh, we um, have had even in our own congregation, many things that disrupt peace, whether it be sickness or loss or struggle. I hope that as we close out our year that you will find this God of peace in your own lives. The first advent of Christ, peace has been restored. We've heard His Son was sent into the world to restore the peace that was lost and has been lost in relationship ever since the garden. And so this morning, know Christ and know His peace. We're going to ask five questions. That doesn't mean it's going to be an hour and a half sermon and I'm getting my last jab before the, the new year. But I want to ask five questions from this benediction. Um, I'm going to read them. Uh, quickly, I know that a lot of you like to write down and take notes. You do have some uh, way to do that before you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them real quick. 
I'll let you know each time we transition to the next question. The questions we will ask this morning. How is He the God of peace to us? Who will guide us in this peace? How long will this peace last? To what end has He brought us peace? And what is the result of this peace? So first, how is He the God of peace to us? As the pastor of Hebrews closes out his letter, he sends them out with blessing. In fact, it was hard for me not to want to raise my hands for this benediction that you might receive it. And this pastor of Hebrews wants us to know something that is true now, today, in the midst of whatever you're going through. The Christian isn't just waiting for the new heavens and the new earth, but now has the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. This means no matter what 2024 may throw at us, whatever it brings our way, it will be a year of peace for those who have God as their Father. And that is in any circumstance. How can this be? Well, something quite remarkable is stated in that opening of verse 20. In this benediction, it says, Now may the God of peace. You see what it's saying here. Because God towards mankind, we saw it actually in the psalm we read. God is either towards mankind a God of wrath, or He is to us a God of peace. And in our natural state, apart from Christ coming into this world, He is a God of wrath. The fact is, we deserve it. All sin is rebellion towards Him and His commands. It's, it's cosmic rebellion. And it deserves cosmic justice. But we are told here that He is a God of peace. How is He a God of peace to us? That should be the burning question in every man's heart. How can we be reconciled to God and to one another? How could God make peace with those who fall in the category of rebels and offenders? This is what Advent and Christmas is about. We know uh, how to bring peace into our home. If there's a fight, we must go to the other to be reconciled. Someone has to take the lead. But when it comes to our sin, what are we to do to be reconciled to a, a, a God of wrath? How can we know Him as a God of peace? Well, it was God who took the initiative, who said, I will be to you a God of peace. And that is why He sent His only Son that we might receive salvation and peace. Christ came as a man to die as a man and to bear on Himself all the offense of man. The God of peace, it says, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. The first part of verse 20 is the totality of the Gospel message. There's a problem. We have no peace with this God and there is a solution Advent, He sends His Son who came to die. 
Why was Christ dead in the first place? Why does he say this, that he raised him from the dead? It was for our sin. It was what holiness and justice and sin demands. That someone must die. That blood must be spilled. For there is no forgiveness of sins unless blood be given. To redeem and restore peace required blood. And this is the purchase price. If you want peace, if you're looking for it and you're seeking it, you want that eternal peace that never ends. This is the only way. You must know the Son as Savior. That's what Hebrews is sending them out with in this message. You must look upon the sacrifice of Christ and say, like the centurion who just crucified Him at the foot of the cross, and looked up and said, surely this man was the Son of God. To receive the blessing of peace, you must open your hands and you must open your hearts and receive Him, as what it says there, as our Savior. As our Lord Jesus. He is to be your Savior and your Lord. Our peace is resting in this. We don't have a dead Savior, it tells us. We have a risen Savior and Lord. He brought Him again from the dead. As Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered up for our trespasses. That's why He was dead. And why did God raise Him from the dead? Because He was raised for our justification. Do you understand this God of peace is saying, I am satisfied I am satisfied with the work of my Son on your behalf. How am I a God of peace? Look at my risen Son. Just as Christ. His last words, He says, it is finished. And we could unpack that for the rest of our lives. The prophecy. The promises. His work. But what else is finished This division between us and a holy God, He has reconciled, He has made right us to our Father in heaven that we might know Him no longer as a God of wrath, but as the God of peace towards us. Colossians 1.20 says, Through Him, that is Christ, reconciled to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Amen? That's your peace. Death was not the final word, but life. Life in Christ. That is the final word. And this is how he is the God of peace to us. So He is. So He is. Uh, is He the peace for you now? Where, where are you looking for peace in this world? If you truly long for it, this is the only place it will be found. This then leads us to our second question Who will guide us in this peace? Who will guide us in this peace? It's all fine and good. Pastors, you send us out with the benediction that God is at peace with us and that He has raised His his Son from the dead. But what about this intervening time in between now and, and Christ's second advent where we are left in this world that simply seems like turmoil? 
It seems devoid of peace. We want to see Him. We want to touch Him. But we are here and now in a world that seems so far from peaceful as the word that describes it. And Jesus knew this. He knew how it would be as as He says to His disciples and He says to us those last words before He ascended up into heaven in Matthew 28. he, He says, Behold, I am with you always knowing full well what the disciples were about to go through for His name's sake, knowing what His church would suffer in this world. He says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That means He's with us now. Do you know that? He is with you now. Whatever you're going through, He is with you now. Because he said so. And if that doesn't bring you peace, I don't know what will. Christ said always. Children, that's when you shut your eyes. When you go to bed at night. That's when you are lost. When you feel completely alone. When you are sad. When you are falling down in sin. When you wander. When you are sick. And when you are dying. Always. He is with us. And this is what a shepherd does. This is what verse 20 means. After all, he is the great shepherd of the sheep. And it should bring us peace that the one who promises to endure with us, he reigns over all the earth. He is the one who set the foundations of the earth. He is the one whom death could not defeat. He rose again in power as we've already read. He is the one who can speak to the winds and the waves and they stop and they listen and are at peace. He is the one who can take a a demoniac like we saw in our passage today. He's foaming at the mouth and speak, and the demon leaves, and he is at peace. He's the one who can raise the dead and cause the sun to stand still. He has unrivaled power. There is no one who is his opposite. He stands alone, and we can see that this is the one who is the shepherd described in all of the Scriptures who attends and watches over his people. What have we to fear? What could disrupt our peace with such a Savior, with such a Lord. And we can turn to those passages that speak comfort over us. Psalm 23, that beloved passage that you hear at a funeral when people are weeping and in sorrow because of what just happened before their eyes and what they've lost. Or those people who feel themselves in the, in the valley of the shadow of death. It tells us what our shepherd, what it means to be a great shepherd. What does he do for his people? says he leaves us without want and he gives us a place to lay our head and he leads us to the calm and peaceful waters and he restores our soul and he leads us in the path of righteousness because his sheep bear his name and why does he do it it says for his name's sake but what about in the valley of death the shadow of death of sorrow and despair A valley which we all have to walk in. A valley where our peace is threatened. He says no evil will touch you there. What does that mean though? It doesn't mean that you won't have some sense of 
of the evil around you, it means that evil will have will not have the final say. We endure as His precious possession that can't be snatched from His hand. He is there with you. He goes into the valley of darkness. He who Himself experienced uh, the forsakenness of God, he, He knows intimately what you're going through, how your peace can be snatched, but He never turned His eyes from God and He never turns His back to those who walk in that valley. He is there with them. And it says, this shepherd holds the rod and the staff and He protects them and He watches over them. He's the shepherd of our souls and what does He do for us? What has He prepared for us? A table in the presence of our enemies. I mean, who stops to eat in this world of dread the way Christians do? They stop and they come to a table and they taste of the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And He dines at this table with us. And He'll dine with us when we get to see Him with our own eyes. We are the sheepfold who are surrounded by wolves who eat of the green pasture while in this world it rages. We feed on the Word and delight in Christ and His finished work and we sup at His table. For this peace is found in this. You shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the kind of great shepherd that we have. That's the promises that are yours. Where can you go that this shepherd will not seek after you? And what can separate you from the, 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 the shepherd's watch? Romans 8 says, Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor height, nor depth. And to be clear, he says, nor anything in all of creation can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Our Lord, our shepherd, will guide you into all peace. It is what the shepherd does. Okay, then what is the next question? How long will this peace last? Peace seems to be a fleeting feeling, doesn't it? Sometimes you're at rest. Other times it immediately erupts into turmoil. The author tells us the peace comes by the blood of the eternal covenant. There's no mention of temporal peace. We are dealing with a peace secured in the eternal realm. If you think back to life in in the Old Testament, Uh, you're walking along in Jerusalem and you see the smoke going up and it's always going up. It's always rising up. There's always a fire going because the sin is always needing atonement. And in Hebrews, earlier he tells us that the blood continually flows from the temple mount. It goes on and on and on. Always. Over and over again, the Israelites couldn't rest in peace for very long for their sin arose again and they had to return to the temple to have another blood sacrifice. Peace was fleeting because sin was prevailing. But all of this, every last bit was satisfied by the blood of the eternal covenant, by the blood of the eternal Son that Jesus did everything, offering His body, Hebrews tells us, once 
and for all. So powerful, so wonderful. It never needed the the spilling of blood again. That is the atonement. How long will it last? As long as Jesus will. The one who can't be killed. The one who reigns forever and ever and ever. That's a long time. That's good news. Earthly peace can come and go so fast. All it takes is a phone call, a doctor's report, a car wreck, a bill in the mail, a prevailing sinful desire, a sudden loss, rumors of war. In fact, it was just weeks ago that uh, people in some parts of Nashville woke up to a sunny sky and later that day their house was destroyed by a tornado. That's how quick it can come and go. But we're not talking about the peace of this world. That hinges on how well your day is going, but on the eternal. The believer has peace that is sealed in the eternal covenant of grace. In this covenant are the irrevocable promises of God sealed forever. We are made for the eternal and our peace is wrapped up in the unchangeable nature of what Christ has done for us. Calvin says, God raised up His Son in such a way that His blood once shed in death has power to ratify the eternal covenant after His resurrection and brings forth its fruit as though it were always flowing. The eternal Son holds us in peace for eternity. This covenant of grace is the eternal life that was promised in Adam, lost when he sinned, but is ours in the second Adam who obeyed and merited it for us. Christ met all the stipulations for us to secure eternal life. So John 6 tells us, this is the will of My Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Your peace is forever sealed in the blood of Christ. How long will this peace last? Forever. And one day, you will be raised in a new body and a new heavens and a new earth, and that peace will never be interrupted by anything in this world. For there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death, no more war without or within. It's coming. It's yours. You see, the God of peace brought the peace through His Son, and He shepherds us in that peace, and He secures us in the eternal blood sacrifice of His Son. And we can either think of peace as, as provisional or situational as if it could come and go based upon circumstance. Or we can think of peace as a concrete fact with eyes looking to heaven rather than around us. This is a peace that surpasses all understanding to a watching world. Peace is yours now and forevermore. So God brought us peace. Christ shepherds us in that peace. 
A peace that will never end. Our fourth question. To what end has He brought us peace? What is the aim of, of this peace that's described here for us now? It's to be experienced in your daily lives. It's not merely future. Verse 21, He says, God has equipped you with every good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. It is here that we see the blessing of peace involves the work of the entire Trinity. God, the Father, sending the Son, the Son accomplishing in His death and resurrection the thing that He was sent for, and the Holy Spirit who is the One, Scripture tells us, who equips and works in us. You see the the Trinity. Yes, the One who made the whole world is shaping and holding and and surrounding Himself in this work of salvation and restoration and redemption and, and sanctifying work in the believer. All involved. And with that kind of power at work. Oh believer, to what end is He doing it? This power that's being unleashed in the individual who is trusted in Christ. working sanctification sanctification is divine for us in the shorter catechism it says this it's the work God's work free work God's free grace whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die to sin and to live unto righteousness You see, the peace isn't reserved for later when we'll be made perfect and be completely righteous. It is a present working of the Spirit now as we're being transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. He is doing something in us now that brings us peace. You see, it it calls us, it, it teaches us how to handle everyday situations. Each trial that would come and seek to steal your peace is transformed for the believer into a shaping and a forming process. God is the potter. He's the one who is shaping and forming us, drawing out the stones that are a lump in the clay and shaping us and using us for His own purpose. And yes, a vessel, a clay vessel, it's described We're aware of our weaknesses. You're aware of a clay vessel's weaknesses. It just might be dropped and and broken. It's It's good to understand your weaknesses. In that we understand more of God's strength and His power. The Spirit's working inwardly to shape us as a potter works at the wheel. To clean house so to speak. The Spirit probes every facet of our heart and our being and roots out that evil anywhere. Those things that would steal our peace. The Spirit presence working in you. Any conviction you have by the Spirit is is, is a testimony to you that God is working in you. That you are His treasure. That He is molding you and shaping you. God that we are at peace with 
as He probes, reminds us that He forgave us of our sin and that He continues to root out that evil so that the sanctifying work is that we are no longer fearful of coming to Him as a God of wrath. But we come to the God that we are at peace with by His invitation, coming as, as needy, coming knowing Now with eyes wide open because we truly live in the Spirit and understand this sin is not me. I need mercy, God. Mercy. And what does the God of peace do? He speaks peace over you. Just as He reminded us in our order of worship, your sins are forgiven in Christ Jesus. Be at peace with me, O man. He equips us with new hearts to love what He loves so that we do His will. That is uh, what we used to rebel against. Our will versus His will. And you still feel that old man come up, don't you? We used to have great confidence in our works thinking we might argue when we arrived there, look, Lord, look at all I've done. Won't you receive me on the basis of my works? Am I not enough, God? No, this is not how peace is found, but it is on the basis of another who worked perfectly for us. Because we are His children, it says He works in us and He equips us so that now any good that flows out of us is to His praise, by His handiwork, by His hands. To what end has He brought us peace? It is to serve Him as willing servants. It is to walk in obedience to His will. It is to trust Him in every circumstance. And it is, and it should give us great peace that the Holy Spirit has made His home in you. For as Ephesians 1 says, we are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee. Who guarantees it? The one who can back up the guarantee. Our Father in heaven. Our inheritance he guarantees. Until we acquire the possession of it. To the praise of his glory. And isn't it stunning. That we can now say with the author of Hebrews. That we are pleasing in his sight. Children. Don't you love it when your parents. Tell you how proud they are of you. How they pour out their love upon you. How happy you make them. Our Father tells us that we are pleasing in His sight. Do you know that when God, the Father, looks upon you, He sees His Son? That's what it means to be in Christ. The same Son who dwells with Him will have His beloved church by His side. Sanctified. And He equips us now to live in that peace. And each stumble or wound or sin that would cause us to lose peace is brought to naught when we hear the Gospel and believe in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. We walk in peace because we are at peace with and reconciled to God. And it's an incremental process, isn't it? I mean, you feel, you feel that. You feel the, the, the stumbles and the rising up. You're both declared holy, right? That's a declaration he makes. And yet the rest of your life, you are being sanctified, Paul tells us. You're being made holy. 
as an illustration, I think of uh, watching my, my own children grow up, specifically Ada. She's 15, and I feel like time's passing, and it's hard not to think. Uh, you know, we watched a movie the other day, and uh, the daughter's growing up in that, and I, uh, I just felt sadness because the parents realized the time is running out with this daughter in the home. It seems to have gone by in a flash, but it hasn't. It's been 15 years. And that's why you can take up a photo album, can't you? And you can look back and you can see the incremental ways in which she's grown when I held her as a little baby, when I, before she could walk, and when I see her gifts start to develop in pictures. And now she's 15 and she can drive, or is allowed to, so be careful. She's in the nursery. I don't have Twitter. I could tweet when she goes out, but oh well. We look back at all the stages of our child. You can see each stage that has brought her to the woman that she is today. And this is how it works with the Spirit who equips and works in us. Look at the photo album of growth. The Christian life is a long process of Him working in us the salvation that brought us peace. And we should see the growth as He humbles us, yes, and as He lifts us up, as He bears with us patiently or sharply rebukes us, as He makes the old lusts lose their power or creates desires more and more in accord with His will. This is the promise that He has for us. He will equip you and work in you that which is pleasing to Him. The working of the Spirit is our peace. It means we are truly His. And yes, there will be many stumbles and failures, but never, ever the removal of His promise to finish the good work that He has started in us. He will never cast out that which He has purchased by the blood of Christ in the eternal covenant. This is how He deals with His sons and daughters. We can feel His pleasure in this life now, and that should bring us, all of us, overwhelming peace. I might ask, if we don't feel this peace now, why? Is there some rebellion in your heart that might deprive you of this peace? Is there some portion of His Word and His promise that you're not believing. It is a fact. He is the God of peace, and that peace can be known now. All of this is true, so that we might ask our final question. What is the result of peace? This is a short one. Just in case you were watching the clock and you were worried about five points. Not all benedictions end as this one does in Hebrews. What is the result of this peace? What started off as a benediction erupts into a doxology for it says in the end, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I like what one theologian says about the doxology closing, uh, closing this benediction. It says, there is no sacrifice for sins left to offer for our redemption. That was accomplished in Christ. The only... <coughs> sorry. The only sacrifice remaining is that of a life of praise. The praise is a response of our peace. It's what people do when they know and understand what Christ has done for them. 
He who knows the peace of God can lift up his hands and his hearts in thanksgiving in any circumstance because of what Christ has accomplished. That's what our sermons have been about in Advent. You think about uh, the songs that were raised up in thanksgiving. Mary's soul, it says, magnified the Lord and rejoiced in her Savior. He, he filled the hungry, she says, with food and helped his servant. And the praise uh, was on the lips of Zechariah. Who said, God has visited His people and redeemed them, giving light and darkness and guiding our feet into the way of peace. Doxology. Doxology when he hears of Christ. Simeon. This old man who by now is probably close to death gets to hold in his arms baby Jesus who was promised that he would get to see before he departed in peace. He holds him and glorifies him. Anna gave praise to God. She's been coming to the temple. It says day and night, every day in anticipation of a Savior who would bring redemption. And the angels wake up the shepherds who are sleeping in the dark and have a song for them. They, they light up the sky and say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among all those in whom He is well pleased. What is your song today as we close out 2023? See all that God has done to secure your peace. Let your heart be filled with it. Come in faith to our Lord Jesus who will receive all glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. This morning, I want you to know the peace that comes from Christ. If you do not have it, if your soul labors and wanders and you have been longing to hear about peace, God, give me peace. Look to Christ. He receives all who come with mercy, graciously, free of charge. Amen? Let's pray.